HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. The James Beard Foundation is a nonprofit with the mission to celebrate, nurture, and honor chefs and other leaders, making America's food culture more delicious, diverse, and sustainable for everyone. And right now, it's working to respond to the dire situation the food and beverage community is in due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Restaurants, bars, and other independent food and beverage operations are often on the front lines of community revival. The majority of culinary community businesses have less than 500 employees, but collectively this industry generates $1 trillion a year, 60% of which is pumped back into their local business communities. To help bring swift economic relief to these essential businesses, the James Beard Foundation launched a fund to provide microgrants to independent food and beverage businesses in need. You can donate at jamesbeard.org relief. All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and it is Wednesday, April 8th, 2020. This is the 247th episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talent in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is an assistant master distiller who is one of the youngest female distillers in the U.S., and I will introduce her fully in a moment. First, as I do in every show, I will start with my PR tip, and then later we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, where we will be continuing our important COVID-19 coverage and its impact on our industry. We will also have my solo dining delivery experience and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to find the silver lining. We all know that times are tough right now. Not only is our hospitality industry struggling with the COVID-19 crisis, but the entire world is as well. Nevertheless, like everything in life, we must remember that this too shall pass. And as hard as it may be to find joy during this time of uncertainty, we need to try to stay optimistic and hopeful. There is beauty all around us and good people doing good things to help one another. And maybe this situation can allow you and me to do something we never typically have time to do at home because we are so busy and share time with our families and people we love. 
Let's try to make the most of this unfortunate situation and find the positive in it all. That's my tip today. Now, a silver lining for me today is my guest who I have on the show. It is Elizabeth McCall. She is the Assistant Master Distiller of Woodford Reserve, premium small batch bourbon whiskey based in Kentucky. Elizabeth is a CSS, which stands for Certified Specialist of Spirits, and the second generation of her family to work in the bourbon industry. And she is one of the youngest female distillers in the United States. She followed her mother's footsteps starting as a sensory expert and working in the quality department. And she has a master's degree from the University of Louisville and has been a member of Brown Foreman's R&D department since 2009. She works directly with master distiller Chris Morris and R&D on innovation and the development of new products within Woodford Reserve. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. I I am really, really happy to, to have someone to talk to today about and and find out all about your career and what's happening um, with the company and um, with you. So I I always uh, like to get started with my guest background and and find out how you got into the industry and what you're doing and your position is very unique for, you know, just all around, I think. (laughs) So. um, Yes. Um, yeah, it, it is interesting. I mean, I you look at a lot of the landscape of uh, the bourbon industry today, and it is changing, but there aren't a lot of um, young women in roles uh, at distiller in their title. Um, however, at the Woodford Reserve Distillery, we are surrounded by a lot of really amazing, capable women um, in leadership roles at our distillery. So, um, yeah, it's, it's not something that's new to me, but it might be new to the the bourbon whiskey world. Right. But what about even working um, with whiskey and at a distillery and, and what motivated you to want to become a distiller? Um, I think it's interesting that I didn't really have this vision when I first got started in the industry. Um, I got started just in a very kind of um, not romantic way, but uh, out of practicality. I mean, Brown Foreman, our parent company, is an amazing company, uh, very, very highly regarded, not only in this industry, but just um, as a a great company to work for. So when I heard there was a job opening up for Brown Foreman, um, I threw my hat in, uh, or my name in the the hat, um, to see if I could get a position. They had a a role in the sensory department and um, having psychology as uh, not only my undergraduate, but my graduate degree really gave me an advantage, which I think people find interesting because you think of psychology and you think you can do kind of, you're very limited when really it's very broad. because the sensory department, if you think of senses, it's smelling, tasting, seeing, touching, all those things. Um, It's using human beings as your instrument. And so um, having that um, knowledge of of doing, setting up experimentation and um, methodology and statistical analysis of using human beings, um, it really put me at a good advantage uh, working in the sensory department and a good candidate for that. Now I knew nothing about whiskey, spirits, 
anything of that nature um, when I got started. So when I was on my interview, um, I remember um, and my hiring manager is now the assistant master distiller for Jack Daniels. How funny is that? Um, Chris Fletcher, he was taking me on a tour of the lab and showing me some of the new whiskey samples and new whiskey when, so that's whiskey before it's really whiskey as it comes off the still is clear. And I don't know what I thought it was, but I had no idea it was clear. And so that was where my skill set was. So I entered very, very green, not knowing anything and just with full of um, excitement to learn. Um, and then my passion um, for distilling and um, particularly just for our brands and, and really learning a lot, I think grew, it grew as I had worked at the company. Um, but then also with the, the people, I mean, everybody was got on this bourbon bandwagon. I mean, I started in 2009 and that's really when the industry started to turn and you started to see people get excited about bourbon. And so I got excited about bourbon as well. And, um, and so, and, and also being in quality control, I also didn't realize how passionate I was about quality of our products and quality is definitely not like a cool thing. I don't think, um, to a lot of people, but it's very, very, uh, um, very much a, it fits my personality. I mean, it's all about being very methodical and writing things down and having a standard for what you're producing. And not only Woodford Reserve, but all Brown Foreman products are held to the highest standards of quality. So that's something that I've always been very passionate about and, um, and really loved and felt proud um, to work for this company because of that. Yeah, that's amazing. And you're, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit more about about the company and even your distillery, because I've I've read how it's a national historic landmark um, since 1812. Yes. So um, when we the, the distillery itself has a lot of really interesting history, and we love to speak about the distillery's history, but it's not necessarily Woodford Reserve's history. So we always try to make that distinction between the two um, because distilling started on that site in 1812 by the Pepper family. Um, no relationship to Brown Foreman or um, the Woodford Reserve brand or name, um, but that family picked that spot for a very specific reason, and that's because of where it's located on geographically. So it's on the uh, Grassy Springs branch of Glens Creek, and it has the name Grassy Springs because there are numerous springs along this branch of the creek, and spring water means clean, pure water. Also, we call it sweet water because it's very mineral rich, lots of calcium, potassium, magnesium in it, but the really special thing is that it is iron free and iron free water is critical when you want to produce really good tasting whiskey because iron can just uh, give you off notes um, in your whiskey and it also can color it so it can make it um, kind of black in color. So you don't want to have iron in your water if you can help it. So that's also kind of why you look at bourbon being majority of it coming from Kentucky is because of this water. So that's why in 1812, the Pepper family settled there, um, gave them a fresh drinking source, and it's cool in the 50 uh, degree Fahrenheit temperature all year round. Um, so it made it ideal place to set up shop. And so they produced there 
Um, starting in 1812 and then in 1830, they moved to what I like to say is across the creek and actually put up a, a decent sized distillery. Because um, in 1812, it was just a farm distillery. Um, during that time period, there was one little still for every 200 people in Kentucky. So distilling was kind of a way of life. It was part of farming culture. You know, winter time would come around, you'd have grain left over and so you would distill it because it was the best way to preserve it. And also whiskey was sort of a way, it was a form of commerce. It was a way of um, people would buy blankets and trade for a jug of whiskey. So it was very much a way of life. And then in the 1830s, it started to get stepped up. And that's when they put in a more of a real distillery. And that's the base of our distillery now. I mean, it's been added on to and expanded on. But in the 1830s, um, they produced there and they had a master distiller, Dr. Christopher Crow, And he was kind of where he was the, the distiller that everyone wanted to learn from. Um, he was a Scotsman um, and had great uh, distilling practices and introduced them to the industry. So lots of historical things happened there at Woodford Reserve. The, uh, the sour mash process was perfected there. Um, no longer just using your uh, gunpowder and alcohol lighting it to know what your proof was of your alcohol, but actually using instrumentation to know the exact proof of, so using a thermometer and a hydrometer for proofing practices. And then also the art of using a charred oak barrel for maturing your whiskey and really understanding that happened on that site. So lots of wonderful things happened at Woodford Reserve um, and that make it worthy of the National Historic Landmark title, but not Woodford's past. Um, but interestingly enough, so then um, if you go around our site, you'll see LNG, LeBro and Graham, and they purchased the property in 1878, uh, the distillery from uh, the Pepper family. They distilled there for quite some time, um, obviously shut down during Prohibition. And then in the 1940s, Brown Foreman, our parent company, purchased the property. Uh, produced whiskey out there on a column still for quite a few years. And then in the 1960s, as whiskey bourbon just started to sort slowly decline, um, they closed that operation and used it as a cattle farm. And then uh, eventually they ended up closing it, selling it to a cattle farmer and, um, and then repurchased the property in the early 1990s. And Woodford Reserve was started in 1996. And, uh, and it became the Woodford Reserve Distillery in around uh, 2003. So it's got a lot of rich history, and um, but Woodford doesn't come into the picture until 1996. So we're kind of a modern uh, brand, but a brand that was really well thought out um, from a flavor standpoint, because bourbon in the early 90s was not doing much. If you think back to that time period, it was all about vodka and martinis and you know, the cosmopolitan, sex and city, all that was going on. So um, different world than today. Right. Absolutely. Well, I'm thinking 1996. I mean, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't like, yeah, you know, you're still coming up on your, what, 25th anniversary soon, which is yeah. a huge milestone. And, um, and also I know, you know, from, from going through your site and that uh, you do offer tours, of, of the property and you know next mm -hmm. time I want I want to come down for my tour I've never <laughs> been to Kentucky I'm like kind yes, of embarrassed you have to that. come down 
Um, <laughs> have you have you lived in Kentucky your whole life? Um, I wasn't born in Kentucky. I was born in Cincinnati, which is just you know an hour and a half away from Louisville. And um, but I moved down here when I was in elementary school, so I feel like a true Kentuckian. And I mean, I, I ride horses and drink bourbon, so I pretty much am the quintessential Kentucky girl. Yeah. Um, and I like basketball too, so you know, all three. <laughs> You're in a great spot. So yeah. why don't we talk a bit about Woodford Reserves, um, like what, make, what, what makes it so special? And you have five sources of flavor um, and, and I don't know, just a little about the process behind, behind your bourbon. Yeah. Um, you know, Woodford is, it's such a special place. I mean, you talk about, you've got to come visit our distillery. It's one of the most beautiful places you can visit in Kentucky. And I think that adds to a lot of the appeal of this whiskey. I mean, it's a very special place. Um, so of course the water is, is a big part of that. That's the limestone filtered water. Um, and it's one of the reasons why horses are also big in Kentucky. So you come to our distillery, you drive through uh, some of the most beautiful, pristine uh, horse farms in the world. And, you know, American Pharaoh, Triple Crown winner, he's one of our neighbors. So um, that, that water is, it's what those horses drink, gives them strong bones. Um, and that's why they are there. So that's why our bourbon, our distillery is there. And, um, and then you get into our grain. So we disclose all of our grain recipes. So for um, purposes of just talking about flavor, our bourbon grain recipe is 72% corn, 18% rye, and 10% malted barley. And um, we really think about every single grain recipe. All of our grain recipes have a purpose and a, a meaning behind them. They weren't just willy-nilly put together or something we found. Um, you know, it's all about producing great complex flavor notes. Um, and so with our bourbon recipe, we've got that 18% rye in there and that really gives us a lot of spice character, uh, but it's not lost on us that we have the 10% malted barley and that really gives us um, some of the beautiful nuttiness that you'll find in Woodford Reserve. So the next time you're sipping um, a glass of our bourbon, you know, you should just sit and and think about the finish because the finish um, has these beautiful malt notes that come through. And that also is part of our distillation process we'll talk about. But, um, and then fermentation. So you have your water, your grain, and you have to ferment. And fermentation is where the magic happens. This is just nature and, and um, giving us alcohol. And it's the yeast that give us the alcohol. And the yeast also give us unique fruit notes. And um, we have our own proprietary yeast strain. So you could, I mean, we've all made bread. You can go to the grocery store and you can buy yeast and they're going to work and they're going to make alcohol. But what's so wonderful about the advantage of having our own proprietary yeast strain is that it gives us our own unique flavor notes that um, you can't find anywhere else in the industry. So we have our own Woodford Reserve yeast strain and we do cereal subculturing. So it's like when you have a sourdough starter at home, um, if you've ever done that where you kind of hold a little bit of your, your yeast colony and then you feed it, you nurture it and you grow it up. And so we'll grow from a 250 ml flask all the way up to a yeast tub, um, which is around, you know, 1500, or well, sorry, um, like, a, like around 500 gallons. It's much bigger. And so we grow it up and you really take care of it, nurture it. And, um, and that also makes it much more um, 
robust and conditioned to perform at its best. Um, yeast, if you have them when they're when they're in a dehydrated state, you pitch them into your fermenter and they sit and they kind of just hang out and they're like, what am I doing? I just was, you know, dehydrated. Now you've rehydrated me and I've got to get comfortable. It's like a fish. I always think of like when you go fish at the a pet store and you bring them home, they always warn you, you have to just let your new fish sit in its bag and its water in the new fish bowl. So that the water temperature gets um, equal equals out. Um, because if you don't do that, you pour your fish in, he's just going to go through shock. The poor thing is going to be like, what did you do? And the same thing goes for your yeast. So being very mindful about that, we are very mindful of it. And so we condition them to perform at their peak and take care of them. Um, and so that gives us unique fruit notes and it allows them to be fermenting longer. So industry standard is around three days and we'll go five to seven days fermenting which gives us unique, again, the fruit notes, and then also um, a pretty decent yield. You know, we'll be around 10% ABV. Sometimes we'll see we're at 12% ABV. So that's um, a huge win for us at our distillery. Um, and then of course, distillation practice um, at the Woodford Reserve Distillery, we are triple pot distilling our whiskey. So it is going through three pot stills, which is um, a lot. You don't see any other bourbon um, uh, pr producers, especially not on our scale, producing whiskey in this manner. And it's definitely not efficient. Um, it is a batch, <laughs> so it is stopping and starting, but it gives us unique flavor notes. I mean, the, what a pot still allows you to do is that you, because you're starting and stopping, you're heating up and cooling down, different molecule flavor notes come off at different times. So you can, you can pick and choose sort of what you want to keep and what you want to get rid of. And, and so for us, it's all about crafting and molding flavor um, and keeping just the peak, the best flavor notes and getting rid of or redistilling the notes that we don't want in our to put into the barrel. And so when we come off that still, it'll be around 156 proof, the third still. And then we uh, cut the whiskey down to 110 barrel entry proof out at Woodford Reserve. Um, and then we mature in our what I like to call couture barrels, um, because a lot of it, you go to a, a, a barrel producer and you, they say, okay, well, what do you want? What toast level or char level? So toasting is just heating up the wood without catching it on fire. So just like your toaster oven. Um, and then charring is actually setting the wood on fire. And so we do it based on time. And um, every brand kind of has its own set amount of time to fit a barrel to make it fit just for that brand and give us the flavor notes we want. Um, and so that's, and we have our own cooperage, so we have the capability to do that. Uh, so they go into their unique Woodford Reserve barrel where it's toasted for um, 10 minutes and charred for 25 seconds, and they'll rest in that barrel for five to seven years. And, um, and the whiskey will just hang out in our heat cycled warehouses for that time period. And so we don't rotate barrels or anything like that. It's just simply, they rest and um, and and get on get character and the the heat cycling is very uh, unique to not just Woodford Reserve but our Brown Foreman uh, Kentucky whiskeys um, because we are what we're doing is that in the winter time when it gets cold it's not just holding the warehouse at a set temperature um, like some uh, distilleries will do we actually will let it get cold. And then we crank up the heat to summer-like temperatures around 85 degrees Fahrenheit, hold it there for a week, 
and then we cut off the heat. And so we let it cool back down and, um, and then it will, we'll let it sit for about a week and then we heat it back up. And so all that movement, it's like a tea bag in and out of your, your hot water. The more times you dip it in and out, the more color you get, the more flavor you get from that barrel. So it's, it's very, very, um, a critical part of our, our process and, um, we feel like it gives us more maturity and it also gives us more um, color and, and flavor. So it's it's a huge advantage, but it's a very expensive one at that. So um, it's something that we we definitely want to keep continue doing at our production facility. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. I, and I'm still yeah. thinking about your fish example. <laughs> this is great. Um, yeah, really to put it into terms that people can relate to. Um, and so, you know, you have, you have a, a, a several, many different, different types of whiskeys. Um, and I have to also say your packaging, your bottles are, yes. they're so pretty. They're, they're beautiful. They're, it just makes it appealing um, in itself. But so do you, do you want to talk just a little bit about, about all the different uh, bourbons and whiskeys you have? Um because you yeah, know, I don't. You know, I know. I know your site is really informative. I love it that you mm-hmm. can really find. Oh, thank you. It's yeah. No, you're welcome. It's really well done because um, yeah, we should direct people here woodfordreserve.com to go and um, really you can learn about about all the different whiskeys you carry and where to get them and and you know what what it um, what it takes to make them. Yes. Um, well, thank you for that. And I do, I agree. I think we have a stunning bottle. I mean, our package is, um, it just, it's one of those, we have one of our CEOs or former CEO, Paul Varga is quoted as saying people first drank Woodford Reserve with their eyes and then with their palates, because it's just such an appealing bottle. Yeah. And honestly, got married a couple of years ago and all of my centerpieces were Woodford Reserve bottles. So <laughs> That's, well, that's smart and and beautiful. Yeah. So um, so I agree with you 100 percent on that. Um, but yeah, it the the package was a huge part of of the design of Woodford Reserve. You know, going back to 1996, there were all bottles of whiskey were pretty much round or the kind of the the square shape, there wasn't a lot of, um, you didn't see anything flask shaped like a Woodford Reserve bottle. So when we hit the shelves, people were really, really intrigued by that. Um, But our family has grown quite a bit since that time. So we started with our standard bourbon and we didn't release another expression from Woodford Reserve until 2012. So we um, had gone with our standard bourbon expression for for many years until we decided, okay, it's time for something else. And really it was in response to consumers, consumers saying, okay, well, we want something, we want something new from Woodford. We want to see, we need something else to bring when we go to a housewarming party. Um, And mind you that when we started the, well, when Brown Foreman started this brand, they didn't really think that it was going to do a whole lot. They thought, okay, well, we'll, it'll be big in Kentucky and that'll be great and just kind of be this little thing. And it, it just had such a, an appeal and um, it's just beloved by people. And so we just kept it going and it's grown, grown so much um, double digit growth since its inception in 1996. And that's just an attribute to the 
the liquid itself. I mean, it's so good. People just want it. So in 2012, when we introduced a new expression, um, it was the Woodford double oaked. And I don't know if you've had the opportunity to try double oaked, but I love to tell people that it is the most friendly Kentucky hello you'll ever get from a bourbon. Um, it is just so inviting and um, it's just very welcoming. Um, there's nothing about it that is off-putting um, has on the nose of it. So it's, it's starts out as Woodford reserve bourbon. So we'll just start there. It starts as Woodford reserve distiller select bourbon age, those five to seven years um, using all the five sources of flavor we just talked about, but then it goes into a second barrel. So we dump a batch. It could go into a bottle, but instead of putting it into a bottle, we put it into a second barrel and the second barrel is a heavily toasted, lightly charred barrel. So it goes from, um, the barrel is a 40 minute toast. So 10 minutes on the original 40 minutes on this double oaked barrel. So it's a, it's the first whiskey that ever had its own unique barrel produced just for the second barreling. And it only rests in the second barrel for up to 12 months. And the reason um, for the heavy toast is that it, we wanted to really capture all those sweet aromatic notes that the oak has to offer. So in oak, there is, um, it's pretty much all just sugars, basically is what, what oak is. And, um, and there's a layer in there called lignin. And lignin is where all the vanillin lives. And vanillin is vanilla. So it's those creamy, buttery notes. So when you nose a glass of Woodford Reserve double oaked, you're going to see maple syrup, caramel, vanilla um, up front. But then what you see behind it is that it still has all the complexity of our distiller select bourbon, which is the most balanced and complex bourbon on the market, which is also why it continues to be so well received around the world, um, because it, it has spice, it has sweet aromatics, it has fruit, floral, uh, wood, and then some of those grain notes coming through. So um, it still has all that, but it's sweet aromatic forward. Um, and then of course, we then came out in 2015 with our Woodford Rye, um, which is was one of those that was kind of uh, interestingly received from from the world because what had already been seen from rye whiskeys were everything was 100% or 95% rye and the grain recipe and ours is 53% rye um, and 33% uh, corn and 14% malted barley. So it's got um, a much lower rye content than what people were used to seeing. But the thing is, is that it delivers on flavor. Um, it is makes a killer Manhattan. Um, if you're gonna have a Manhattan I highly recommend a Woodford Rye Manhattan um, because the the nuttiness of our rye whiskey makes it one that you just want to you want to drink it on its own. But if you're going to be fancy, you put it in Manhattan. Um, but it's got the nuttiness. It's dried dark fruit, honey, lemon, little tea note to it. It's just complex flavor. Um, so it's not just a big spice bomb, which is what a lot of the rye whiskey is that's out there. Um, and then in 2018, we introduced Woodford Kentucky Straight Malt Whiskey, which is the first Kentucky Straight and still the only Kentucky Straight Malt Whiskey on the market. And that is really unique because it's dominant in malted barley and um, it's a 51% malted barley, 47% corn and 2% rye. So it's really nutty and creamy. Uh, I think of it kind of um, caramel, nutty notes, milk chocolate, but then there's also some really interesting tropical fruit 
flavors in there, um, like banana and some some melon notes, uh, are just so interesting and unique to a whiskey. You wouldn't uh, think that. And and because it's malt, people automatically go to scotch. They think, oh, I'm having a like, oh, it's going to be like a scotch, and it's nothing like a scotch. It's not the same fruity. Um, scotches to me, I, I love scotch and. Um, it doesn't obviously have any peat in it because we don't have peat here um, in the U.S. And um, but it, it's it's not fruity like Scotch is really jammy. And I think of cooked fruits. Um, this is more of those uh, the it's sweeter and then and nuttier than um, and in tropical fruit, so a little lighter fruit than those dark, rich, jammy fruits um, in Scotch. I can't hear you. Okay. Oh, you can. Can you hear me now? Uh, I can hear you now. Um, uh, and yeah, you broke out for me for a second, but um, you're back. And and you are, I'm, you know, I'll, I, you know, full disclosure, I actually don't drink alcohol. Um, I stopped drinking uh, back in 2002. So unfortunately, you're describing all of these um, flavors and um, I wish I could have all of this. Um, I'm living vicariously through through everyone else. I think anyone listening to this show right now um, is going to want to purchase all of these because your descriptions are so uh, uh, specific and and um, and just uh, uh, just your I don't know better better term for it, but I'm like you're selling it. Like I want it. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying I'm you know I don't want people to be worried about me. I don't drink, and I'm comfortable with that. And um, yeah. so, but we don't, we're, we're going to run short on time if we go through all of them. Um, okay. Because, because I know you, I'm on your site and I know you, I mean, I, I've, the bottles are beautiful and, and the notes are there and it's, um, I'm, I'm so impressed by your company and everything you're doing. Um, I wanted to see if we could um, talk a little, uh, well, if I could ask you my question from my last guest. Um, mm-hmm. On episode 244, I had on Nate Mel. Um, he is the founder and CEO of Felt Plus Fat, um, which is a collaborative ceramic design and manufacturing studio based in Philadelphia. And um, he wants to know uh, what you do on a day-to-day basis. Oh, that's an interesting question because I don't even know what I do on a day-to-day basis. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but really, um, a lot of it, and right now with the Corona stuff going on, um, I'm taking a lot of time to do research on uh, just the bourbon industry. What's happening right now? How are people drinking and consuming? Um, and um, mocktails. So you talk about not drinking. I mean, people are mocktails are becoming a big thing. I'm actually expecting right now. So I'm not enjoying our whiskeys. Um, so I'm focusing a lot on mocktails and, uh, thank you. And so mocktails and how do you still enjoy the moment that is celebrated through cocktails, but without alcohol. And, um, and that's definitely a trend and something to be aware of. Um, but also looking at innovation and constantly working with Chris Morris, our master distiller on new projects. And, and that's not stopping. I mean, we may not be um, out there talking to folks and in, in, in at the distillery right now where it's very limited to only uh, the, the critical workers there, but um, we're working on stuff to produce as soon as this is all lifted. Um, 
And so that's a big piece of what I'm doing. But a lot of it, I mean, being a brand ambassador, talking to consumers and um, and sharing my passion of Woodford Reserve is really what um, kind of my job all entails and whiskey education, too. So there's a lot of facets to it. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine every day is a little different. And um, with, uh, you know, I have to say, I, I did this um, uh, big event back in January, host Summit Plus Social, and uh, we partnered with Woodford Reserve and uh, we we had incredible um, cocktails at our, our speaker dinner and uh, Michael Toscana, Toscano, who's your official brand ambassador, he he led a, um, our our speaker dinner with a wheel a wheel flavor tasting, which was really which was really cool. And then at our at our event the next day, we had um, we had a Dante Sangria and a Woodford County Old Fashioned, and I, I everyone was just telling me how how delicious they were and what great hits they were. And I and Anna Krokowski, um helped us set all this up, and it was just having having our partnership with with you guys and Woodford Reserve was so meaningful to us and so successful. Like people people love what you're doing. <laughs> No. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like what we do, we do everything with a lot of thought and intention behind it. So um, that thank you very much for that. And Michael Toscano, he's absolutely amazing. We're so proud of all the work he's doing in New York and um, continuing to do. So thank you. And I'm just I'm, and Anna as well. Anna's been um, such a kind of guiding Woodford through all this as well. So um, thank you for that. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. No, thank you. I mean, it was, it was really, it was really, it was really wonderful. And, um, and on that note, let's take a little break and we will come back and we'll talk more. Um, uh, we'll talk a bit about uh, COVID-19 and, and what, what your company and Brown Foreman are doing and how what's happening in Kentucky with it as well. Um, Cause I'm super aware of what's happening in New York city. Um, but I'd like to hear what's happening down there. So um, stay with us. This is all in the industry on heritage radio network. Restaurants employ over 15 million people nationwide, and two-thirds of all restaurants are independently owned and not part of big chains. Yet currently, these small businesses are not represented in government relief negotiations. Roar is working to change that by fighting for relief opportunities for all restaurants. Roar is advocating for an eight-point plan in New York State that will allow restaurants to reopen and rehire when the time comes. Dozens of industry leaders have signed on to the plan, like Namwa Tea Parlor, Field Trip, Momofuku, and many more of your favorites. You can join them at change.org by searching for Roar, relief opportunities for all restaurants. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Elizabeth McCall. She's the Assistant Master Distiller of Woodford Reserve, which is premium small batch bourbon whiskey based in Kentucky. So um, I would like, Elizabeth, if we, I'd like to talk a bit about COVID-19 and what's the initiatives um, that your company and parent company Brown Foreman have started, and and really what's happening? Um, how has this affected you and and the community and 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 everyone down there? 
Uh, yeah, uh, this is definitely such uh, a surreal time. Um, very challenging and something that I don't think anybody could have predicted. Um, we're, I'm very proud of my parent company, Brown Foreman, for the initiatives that they've taken to support um, the needs of the community that uh, is no longer working. I mean, the hospitality industry comes to mind um, first and foremost because they have done nothing but support us and our brands uh, since we started, um, since our company was founded in the 1870s. And so um, to see that they're no longer happening. We're trying to support in any way we can. So Brown Foreman did give a million dollars to support the uh, United States Bartenders Guild. Um, and then they also have given to the um, Restaurant Workers Community Foundation. Uh, it's their, the basically the COVID-19 support fund. Um, so they, we're supporting that and we encourage people to do the at-home tip jar. So every time you have a drink at home, think about that you would be tipping a bartender for a drink and put a dollar or whatever into a jar. And then at the end of this or throughout this, just keep donating to that. If you go, it's um, restaurant workers, uh, uh, think of the, I can't think of the, the, uh, I needed to write that down, but but if you uh, Google restaurant, restaurant work restaurant foundation COVID nineteen crisis relief fund is that yes yes okay yeah that's um, if they go to that website they can donate and um, so it's going out to the hospitality industry it's so so important um, Brown Foreman is also donating two thousand meals per day to local uh, food pantries. And then um, we are also uh, doing the hand sanitizer. So um, we have our Brown Foreman uh, Louisville base. We we produced hand sanitizer for um, fire departments. And then other, it started out to be like, oh, we can give it to fire departments and different emergency response crews and, and people with critical need. And then now it's um, people are, we're getting do, uh, requests for donations all over the place. So we're trying to support as many places as we can. Um, our Jack Daniels distillery, huge shout out to them. Um, they're actually going to produce, you know, like a million something gallons of high proof alcohol to give to a company that will then produce the hand sanitizer, uh, which is a huge amount. Um, and we'll be able to support that need, um, which just makes me so proud. And, and every day we're looking uh, working with our, our global teams to figure out how do we support our markets. So um, I know our New York team is doing things to support bartenders, just even if it's something as small as sending a care package, just to let people know we're thinking about them. Um, and, and so we're just constantly, uh, that's at the top of mind is to how, how do we support uh, the people who are doing without right now. And there's a lot of people. Um, so that's been a huge shift for us. And then also just seeing how much people are doing with the off premise. So liquor stores and things like Drizzly and, and, um, and ordering online and having it delivered um, is a, is a not, not a new platform for us, but it's something we've had to be thrust to have at the forefront of our thought process. So it's been, um, it's been different and, very challenging. Um, we're all getting really good at uh, video calling and conference calls, and that. I know <laughs> Zoom is like Zoom is in. <laughs> um, exactly. And you know, I, I, 
I think it's really cool your your tip jar idea. I hadn't heard of that, and I think that so makes so much sense. And it's clever. It's a clever way to you know to for people to remember you know to give back and and what they would be spending if they were they were out and um, and yeah, all these efforts. Um, it's wonderful. And I think on the show, I've been talking, you know, I've brought up about, you know, restaurants, restaurants are closed and, and bringing them back. But, you know, you know, bars are, I mean, bars are as much as part of our hospitality industry and are closed as well. And they're, I know here in New York are trying to figure out, you know, they've allowed um, liquor to be uh, delivered from restaurants and bars um, if they sell food. So, so that's helping. And, you know, I've seen some of the bars here of, you know, clever, clever ways that they're putting together their cocktails and they're delivering it or having people pick them up. Um, and these efforts, I think, you know, they're so important. And I think that, you know, that, that you're supporting the United States Bartenders Guild is, you know, it's great. And it's, um, I mean, yeah, times, it's just who, no one saw this, you know, no one could have predicted this and we're all very challenged right now, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, and also your hand sanitizer, I think is is awesome that you're working on that. So, um, yeah. And I had seen on um, Plate Magazine, um, they did a roundup of some organizations that are helping unemployed hospitality workers. Uh, this was by Matt uh, Kerouac. And I liked this list that they put together because it was like some national resources and it also had things going on in every state and with Kentucky and New York and everywhere. So you could see other ways that, that people can, can get behind and support. Yes. Yeah. It's really important that we support all those people right now because this is just a very trying time. Yeah, indeed. We will get through it. I know we will, but we, yeah, it's, it's hard. So thank you for sharing all that. Uh, We'll take one more break and we'll come back and I will do my solo dining delivery experience and we'll have the final question. This is on the industry on Heritage Radio Network. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and it's time for my solo dining delivery experience. So this week, it's at Don Antonio. Here's the rundown. The location, 309 West 50th Street off of 8th Avenue in Hell's Kitchen, New York City. The concept, Neapolitan pizza made in a wood-fired oven imported from Italy, plus homemade mozzarella, salads, craft Italian beers, and cocktails. The owner, Roberto Caporiccio. So why did I order in? Well, really, I was craving pizza. Like I wanted something hot and delicious and Passover is also coming up. And so I figured, hey, this is a good time to get my bread fix in. So uh, my experience, um, it was Monday night this week around 8.30. I ordered using Seamless app and uh, it's very easy. They told me it'd take about 40, 50 minutes. Um, and that's what it did. Um, I went downstairs in my building to meet the delivery guy because they're not allowing deliveries upstairs. I live in a, a large uh, apartment complex in the middle of Manhattan and um, we're being safe. And so uh, I went downstairs and I got my um, 
my pizza and my salad, which I'll tell you about. And um, I came up and I enjoyed it. So uh, what did I get? I had the Diavolo pizza, which is tomato sauce, fresh mozzarella, hot sopressata, basil, and extra virgin olive oil. And then I also got a rustica salad with, with spring mix, prosciutto di parma, artichokes, guida olives, lemon, and extra virgin olive oil dressing. My take, it hit the spot. I mean, the Diavolo, uh, it, was hot, it was a hot, spicy pizza because um, the sopressata has some heat to it, but it was really delicious. And the size of their pizzas, their standard standard pizza um, is, is almost like a personal size pizza. It's a little larger. Um, so it was good. I didn't feel like I, I over ordered so much. Um, I had some leftovers and it was a nice balance with the salad, which was really um, light and fresh. So the ambiance, the comfort of my home in New York City, I'd say it's perfect for pizza cravings. Interesting tidbit, Roberto is also the owner of Keste Pizzerias in New York City, which are very popular, and he teaches classes at his financial district location. And Don Antonio is also known for their signature Montanero pizza, which is a lightly fried pizza dough, and I've had that before, and it's really good. Personal fun fact, I met Roberto when I was representing Sorbillo Pizzeria in New York City, and we became friendly, um, which is one of the reasons why I want to order from from them because I, I'm trying to support people I know and and bring restaurants back and um, perhaps one day we'll get to work together. So the cost of my meal was $32. That is including tax and gratuity. Um, plus Seamless had some promo uh, 25% off your first order. So I got that and then I overtipped to balance it out. So uh, what would I would I go back? Yes. And I'm glad, glad I'm in their delivery zone. And their website is donantoniopizza.com. So there we go. I think that that's, uh, I'm getting, getting used to these delivery uh, solo dining experiences <laughs> new for me. Um, so we're towards the end of the show. Um, Elizabeth, I want to see if you can ask a question for my next guest. It is Steve Sidman. He is an attorney at Carlton Fields. He's based in Atlanta, and he has more than two decades of experience in the business of pop culture. He represents creative talent and entrepreneurial ventures from Michelin-starred chefs and restaurateurs to multi-platinum selling recording artists and more. So can you ask Steve a question? Wow, that sounds like such a fun job. Um, I, <laughs> for an attorney I, especially, right? <laughs> for an attorney, I know. I'm like, oh, I was thinking, oh, something like legal, like how many lawsuits do you do? Um, no, uh, that is fascinating uh, from a, gosh, like if you're going to, to be a legal person representing such a diverse group of um, of of can or not candidates, it's not the right word. Um, but uh, you have such a diverse group that you're representing. Um, how do you? What What is the thing that you find yourself going to battle the most? Like, is it social media posts? I just feel like there's so many um, uh, kind of um, landmines out there that can get people in trouble these days. So how does he navigate through that and um, and work with such a diverse group of, of uh, individuals? Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a really interesting, good question. I'm going to have to find out. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to, to talking with him and yeah, I'm sure, you know, and seeing what's happening um, in Atlanta and I'm sure he's busy with, 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 yes for you know um with all of his clients and and restaurants and chefs um so um yeah that will be next week and um i wish we had more time i wish i had a four-hour show and we could go through everything (laughs) with you Um, because it's really it's really um it's really amazing i'm so impressed with with wood reserve and and everything you do and i i hope to um, get down there and and oh, you know what? I just realized we didn't play my speed round game. All right, oh. we're gonna have to play my speed round game before we close up. I don't know how we forgot. That. Okay, because it's not it's like not one of my shows unless I do a speed round. I can't believe I missed <laughs> that. But then again, it's weird times. Are, are you up for that? Exactly. Yeah, definitely. I'll tell you why. I re- just remembered that. I'm glad I did. Okay, so here we go. My speed round. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to name one or, or two or a few more of things and you just get to pick your preference. Okay. okay. Here we go. Eat in or eat out? Eat in. Wine, beer, cocktail, mocktail or champagne? Well, normally a cocktail, but right now a mocktail. All right. Here's for the mocktails. Tasting <laughs> menu or a la carte? Um Ooh, I like to do a tasting menu. Small plates or large plates? Large plates. I don't like to share. Communal table or chef's counter? Mm, Chef's counter. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? Uh, I like to tip. Okay. A few more. Mint julep. Sazerac, Boulevard, Bul- I can't even say it, skip it. Old fashioned. Boulevardier. No, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I was, and there's so many more. I could go on and on yeah. these fabulous cocktails, but what's what's your favorite? Uh, my favorite is a Woodford Rye Manhattan. All right, love it. Very specific. Um, Kentucky Derby or Breeders' Cup? Kentucky Derby all day, every day. And that is what I just remembered while I was closing out because I want to go down there and come to the Kentucky Derby and I want to visit your distillery. And that's yes. going to happen when we can safely fly again. <laughs> exactly. You have to come and you have to come to Derby. It's the best time all year. It's my favorite. Yeah, cool. I really am. I'm looking forward to that whenever that can be. Um, and the last two are cheese plate or dessert. Oh man, I love my cheese, but I'm a sweet tooth girl. So dessert. Manhattan, Brooklyn, Versailles, or Louisville. I guess I should throw in Lexington in there as well. Cause you're, from what I saw on the map, you're kind of, you're between the two, right? Of, mm-hmm. of, yes. of Louisville and Lexington. Yeah. So we're um, in, we, we call it Versailles in Kentucky. Oh, good to know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I reside in Louisville, so I'm going to go with Louisville. All right. Go, go Louisville. And mm-hmm. now that is officially the show. And thank God I remembered because that, I think, is, is honestly, um, um, you know, my fun, my fun game. And I, I like playing it it's with people. Fun. I like Everyone's it. answers are different. Yeah, I like it. 
So um, thank you so much for joining me today. I wish you the best and um, congratulations on all of your success and everything you're doing there. And I, I look forward to, to whatever you're going to be doing next. Thank you. And I hope you make it to Woodford uh, to come visit. Yes, I really, I, it's, it's on my to-do list. So thank you. My guest today has been Elizabeth McCall. She's the Assistant Master Distiller of Woodford Reserve, premium small batch bourbon whiskey based in Kentucky. Their website is woodfordreserve.com and on social media at Woodford Reserve. And Elizabeth is at Elizabeth underscore O'Neill at underscore McCall. On social media, you can find me at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry, and my website's BayerPublicRelations.com, SherryBayer.com, and AllInTheIndustry.com. All of our shows are archived at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are also on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Next week, I will be back with Steve Sidman, and we will, again, be covering COVID-19 and hear all about his career and what he's doing. Um, I hope you'll tune in then. Thanks to my engineer today, Amanda Wang, and thanks again to Elizabeth, as well as Chris, Anna, and Michael from the Woodford Reserve team. I'm Sherry Bayer. Be safe and be well, and thank you for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. All in the Industry is powered by Simplecast. I'm Sherry Bayer, and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network, a member-supported podcast network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. This year, HRN is celebrating 10 years of food radio. For the past decade, we've been taking you behind the scenes of farms, restaurants, breweries, school cafeterias, and more. It's been 10 years, and we're just getting started. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org.